All right, we are back another week with all your coaches, all three. Good old Ben Lingle. We're going to start mm-hmm. off with Ben Lingle's hitting leadoff. <laughs> followed Hey-o. in the two-hole by Will Shively. Hello. And then me, Gary Deagle. And I'm excited today we have an awesome guest, one of our clients at Coastal Strength and Fitness. Her name is Lindsay Oro. You want to say hi, Lindsay? Hi, guys. And Lindsay also, so this is going to be like a dual episode. We're going to talk about her, her story a little bit, you know, just with fitness and, and how it's worked for her in her life so far. And then also, Lindsay is a sports psychology consultant, so she's very well-versed in change psychology that kind of goes into that and the mindset you want to have. Uh, and obviously, the way athletes approach their sport is also similar to changing your body and fitness and all that. So we're going to dive into some concepts and strategies with that as well. Sound like a plan, Lindsay? Sounds like a plan. All right. So what we'll do, we'll just dive in. I'll let you, you want to talk about, so I know you're from New York originally and you went mm-hmm. to school there. So you want to kind of take, take it from there and kind of how you got to know us and all that good stuff. Yeah, so I grew up uh, playing soccer my whole life. I've played since I was five. I was lucky enough to play all through college. Uh, I went to Mount St. Mary College in New York, tiny little D3 school in Newburgh. Um, And after I stopped playing soccer in college, I was just kind of unsure of what I wanted to do next. I knew what I wanted to do like school-wise and professionally, but As far as working out, like once soccer season was over, I think I took a solid month off because I was just kind of burnt out and needed a break and then wasn't able to get into anything really stable after that. I would decide I was going to start doing like insanity workouts again and would maybe do like two weeks worth of that and then I would get bored and then I wouldn't do anything for a month and a half and then I would decide like okay I really need to start working out again so I would go to the gym and jump on a treadmill and go for a really long boring run um, so that was kind of my workout routine all through grad school was just very inconsistent I really wasn't doing any kind of like strength training it was mostly just cardio um, and then after I graduated grad school um, I got a job down here in Virginia and before I moved, I started researching different gyms in the area because I knew I wanted something where I could meet people, but I also wanted something that was going to make me feel like an athlete again because that was something that I was really missing. So I didn't want to join like a plan of fitness or one life where I knew I would just jump on a treadmill and go for a run and then be like, okay, I ran a mile and go home. Um, So through a solid Google search, I found Coastal. So I think I joined about two months after I moved down here. And I remember my first workout was a Tuesday cardio day and it was like such a rude awakening for how out of shape I really was. Uh, Cause I was like, oh, you know, I'm an athlete. I'm a soccer player. Like I got this. And no, I did not have it. I was exhausted (laughs) and dripping sweat by the end of it. Um, but it was exactly what I was looking for. It was a, a group setting. It was having personal trainers who were there to like tell you good form and modify exercises for you. Um, cause really what I was looking for was like kind of a CrossFit feel, but I have absolutely no interest in doing CrossFit. Like Olympic lifting is just not for me. 
Uh, so Coastal was really the perfect thing that I was looking for. Um, so I've been a member for about two years now and I constantly surprise myself with how much progress I've actually made and like mm -hmm. I can actually lift some things, which is always a surprise. Yeah. Um, which you guys always remind me to like, hey, go heavier. You can lift that more than you think you can. Uh, so I think since I've started, I would say, I don't weigh myself ever, but I would guess I've lost around 15 pounds. Um, definitely inches off my waist, back, everything, but also like this is the strongest I've ever been. Because um, in the past, as a soccer player, I was just like in cardio shape and soccer shape, not really strong, but definitely now I see a lot of improvements in my strength. Um, so that's where I'm at now. For sure, yeah. There's been, because I remember when you first started, um, like you've gotten crazy strong. I think part of that too, like you and um, Lauren, there's always that little competition. Yeah, oh, I miss her. Which was great though. Like, yeah, I mean, well, we miss her too. <laughs> um, but it was good, like having somebody, like not just being in the group setting, but like you had somebody kind of a little more personal to push you where you guys would always kind of not one up each other but like if lauren's gonna go heavier and because like you have the ability and you move well like you can go up too you know so there's always that little push which i think is great to have um whether you're in a group or you just have like a training partner so i think that's a big help um but you also train for a sprint triathlon correct it was a sprint i did yep a sprint so how was that? Like how, I, I know like we've talked about it, you know, plenty, um, but just letting people know, how do you feel, um, did you feel prepared for that when you did it? Do you think you could have done that, um, you know, years ago, straight out of college or how did that, how'd it go? Oh, absolutely not. I could not have done that straight after college. Um, I felt so prepared going into it and that was very intentional. So when I decided I was gonna do the sprint triathlon, it was something I had never done before, but I viewed it as like kind of a new challenge and it would be a cool accomplishment. And just from my background in sports psych and everything, I know that preparation fuels confidence. So mm -hmm. I knew that the more prepared I was and the better I trained leading up to it, the more confident I would feel going into it. Um, so really all I did, um, the triathlon was August 26th. I started training the first week of June. So I think probably mid-May, I took the time, sat down and wrote out my training plan. And I had three calendars in front of me. I had a June, July, and August, and I would fill in every single day what my workout was gonna be. So if Mondays and Wednesdays were swim, Monday was like an endurance swim, and then Wednesday would be an interval swim. And then if Tuesdays and Thursdays were the bike, Tuesdays would be like an interval bike, and Thursdays would be my long bike ride, and then Fridays were my run. So I was really intentional about how I planned it out in the beginning because I knew if I started in the beginning of June and it was just like, okay, first triathlon workout, what am I gonna do today? There was no chance I was gonna feel prepared enough. So I really, really planned, uh, and I had to make adjustments along the way to that plan, and I knew that was gonna happen. So I was traveling for work for basically the whole month of July, 
and I was at Fort Knox in Kentucky for two weeks and so that was a little kink in the plan because I knew I couldn't bring my bike with me to Kentucky. Uh, so my backup plan was, okay, that doesn't mean I'm not gonna bike for two weeks. What I'm gonna do is find a spin class and I'll use the spin bikes in the gym. And luckily my work schedule when I was there was flexible enough that I could still get my workouts in. And I had a girl with me, um, my friend Marielle, who has done multiple sprint triathlons, was also at Fort Knox with me. So I was picking her brain constantly of like how she's trained and what she's done and tips for like the transitions and tips for your bike. And she would come with me to the pool to do pool workouts. So that really helped. Um, But a big part of that was just being flexible with with my workouts and knowing that that was okay. And if there was a day where the weather was terrible and I couldn't go out for a run that it wasn't the end of the world and I would just pick it back up where I left off. Um, and so my training went really well over the summer and I went in feeling super prepared. And I think a lot of that was just because of planning. Yeah, no, that's, that's rad. Um, another question, cause I, I remember we kind of went over it a little bit. Like, I guess, you know, like really all the coaches and you, you know, we've talked about it. How did you adjust like your, your strength training and like your days at the gym? to account for your training. Like you stopped all of your conditioning at the gym pretty much um, and focused more on the triathlon, correct? Yeah, yeah, and that was a, a thing I knew I had to consider too in the beginning. So I think when I was writing my plan, I talked to all of you and was like, hey, what what's my best course of action? Like I don't wanna stop strength training. Obviously I don't wanna stop coming to Coastal for three months and strength training is still gonna be really important when you're training for a triathlon. And so we came up with the triathlon training needed to be the main focus, but then I ended up doing two days a week at Coastal. So I would do um, the upper body and lower body day. Took off Tuesdays completely because I was doing enough cardio as it was. Um, And then Fridays, we just decided was gonna be like my easy run day that I didn't need to add in any additional strength training. So I was doing my triathlon workouts five days a week. And those were usually during my lunch break at work. And then Mondays and Wednesdays, I would come to coastal after work and do my strength workout. And it ended up working out really well. And especially the week leading up to the triathlon, you guys were so helpful because I think we were in whatever week of the phase we were in, it was like, we're trying to go heavy. And you guys were like, don't go heavy. Just Mm -hmm do like some light stuff. It was almost like a deload week for me because we didn't want me to be, you know, sore and burned out come Saturday when it was time for the triathlon. That week before you really want to be like just like in recovery mode because you're not going to adapt really much more in that week. So that's, you know, that's why we always do that. If somebody has something coming up, like you're, you might feel like you're getting some work done, but you're not really doing a whole lot towards your, your um, performance. Um, but yeah, like you, like you handled it perfectly, and I think a lot of people run into, for one, not planning like you did. Like you planned out so well, which is why, um, like you finished, you did well, you didn't get hurt, nothing, you know, nothing adverse really happened um, because of how well you planned out and how well you like factored in recovery. You cut down your time with us. I think sometimes people try to just stack too much on top of what they're already doing. 
You know, I think the, the typical person may be doing their like three or four days at Coastal and then they would be like, all right, well, I'm going to train five or six days on top of that for this triathlon. And then they just kind of crumble and fall apart. They hurt a knee. And so I think it's a good lesson that like you don't need to be like busting your ass doing two a days when you're training for something like that. Yeah, no, I would have been completely burnt out if I was trying to do coastal like four times a week while also training for the triathlon. That would have just been bad news. And and a a good, I mean, you're in your 20s, like, so if you're in your 20s and you felt like you're going to burn out, you know, if you're in your 40s or 50s and you're trying to do that, like, your recovery is going to be even slower than a 20-year-old. So, um, you know, for people listening, just keep that in mind. You know, you don't have to, like, bust your ass every single day seven days a week when you're training for something or just you know working out in general um you have to have to recover yeah it's as simple as you know remembering like it's the bucket analogy where you know you you, your bucket's a certain size so there's always going to be a give and take you know and and you have to factor recovery in or that bucket's going to overflow if you're just piling piling you know workout after workout after workout into it so, and like you, you mentioned a lot of talk about planning, which gets me excited because that's like my biggest pet peeve is, and again, like a first step for a lot of people is, you know, just yeah, going to a, a one life or a planet fitness and just doing whatever, like you got to do something. So that's a good first step. But then a little after that, like I, it just bugs me how people have no plan when they work out and they just go do like random stuff all the time, no thought put into it and like this is your body we're talking about um so that like that's one reason like i love coastal and and i've always loved being a trainer is because you know you can provide a plan for people which most people i would say everyone will benefit from as opposed to just randomly kind of just doing whatever you know just winging it yeah. yeah so um so Lindsay, what would you say especially looking over the last couple years what are like the key or most important habits maybe you've noticed you've established that was different from, you know, Lindsay who was randomly doing, you know, P90X workouts to then, you know, getting into this routine and getting into this place where you're confident to do a triathlon and what are, what are those key habits that you've established? Hmm. Well, this Lindsay food preps for the first time ever, college and grad school Lindsay, never, ever, ever. Um, and I really only like learned how to cook when I moved down here to Virginia. So in grad school, like it wasn't uncommon for me to just have like eggs and salsa for dinner because I was lazy and didn't feel like cooking. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with eggs and salsa. <laughs> <laughs> you can get a little more creative and have a little yeah. bit more. Um, so th- my viewpoint on nutrition has definitely done like a complete 180. Um, and a lot of that came from, I think it might've been back in like February or March when we did the first accountability challenge and you were on your teams and it was like a new habit every week. And the first habit was like, okay, focus on having protein and fruit for breakfast. And that was just like something I had never thought of. And I was like, oh, that's actually doable. And that's smart. And so from there it was just tweaking every meal to where now, like for lunch, my typical lunch is like turkey meatballs, a sweet potato, and some veggies. And dinner is usually up in the air, but it's not eggs and salsa. It's usually <laughs> like an actual meal. Um, so I would say the nutrition piece has been huge. 
And the other part is having something to train for and just kind of having a goal in mind. So for me over the summer, that was a triathlon. But now that the triathlon's over, what's the next thing I can work towards? Is that like a deadlift PR? Is that getting a chin up? Is that being able to do like 10 perfect push-ups um, instead of just kind of coasting along and, you know, coming to workouts. And obviously we always get something out of the coastal workouts. But if you have something that you're shooting for, I think it makes you more intentional and more deliberate in what you're doing and more consistent in how many days you're showing up to the gym if you're shooting for a certain PR or something like that because you know the more days you put in at the gym, the closer you're going to get. Um, so I would say definitely nutrition and definitely just setting little goals along the way has really helped. Yeah, that's awesome you mentioned that. I think that's one thing we don't harp on enough or really anyone talks about enough is, is cooking, right? Like it's always overlooked. You know, like a lot of times someone will join a gym or get a trainer and they'll say, here's your meal plan. But for a lot of people, you know, most healthy meal plans like involve like you need to cook your own food. Right. And a lot of people have never done that before. Or don't know. You know, so really like breaking it down into, hey, learning to cook. That's like a habit uh, that most people like that needs to be established. And most people might not even do, you know, mm -hmm. so uh, it, it's definitely it, se it seems so like arbitrary but it's it's actually really key yeah i think a lot of people like if they haven't cooked because like i was lucky i grew up being taught how to cook but a lot of people just for one it's really intimidating like oh i don't know how to do this i don't want to mess it up mm -hmm. you know if i'm going to cook it and i mess it up then i don't have anything to eat or whatever um when in reality like cooking's pretty simple but it's just taking that first step and trying it's just like working out like you have to try it and you got to be kind of bad at it in order to get better, you know? Um, but this is just making me think maybe we need to do a, a cooking show. <laughs> Podcast slash cooking show. And actually with, with that, with the thought of cooking, and like you said, Will, like how you're gonna mess up, Lindsay, do you wanna kinda roll that into the some psychology stuff and how, you know, cause then cooking is just like learning anything, learning guitar, learning to be, you know, having a fit life. But what happens is once people mess up once, they, they give up or quit, right? Like we, we kind of forget how to, how to learn. Um, what, what would you say are some key kind of strategies for adults, you know, kind of like learning new things and, and like not getting frustrated in the psychology uh, that, that we face with that? Uh, yeah, so really great topic that rolls into kind of an underlying um, concept of sports psychology, which is this concept of mindset. And so there's a really great book uh, by Carol Dweck called Mindset. And she talks about how people tend to fall into one of two mindsets. There's a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And so in a fixed mindset, this is where people think that they're basic qualities like your intelligence, your personality, your athletic ability are all unchangeable. And this is the person who is like, talent is gonna get me there alone. And so talent is what creates success. I can't change it. I have as much talent as I have. In a growth mindset, people think that their basic qualities, so your intelligence, athletic ability, all that can be developed and can be improved through 
effort, through hard work, through deliberate practice. And a lot of her research came out of um, studying kids in schools. So it was the kids who were praised for like, oh, you're really smart versus the kids who were praised for, oh, you studied really hard. And so sometimes it's hard to recognize when we fall into one of those two mindsets. But if someone has that belief of like, I'll never be good at this. I'm just like, I'm not a chef. I'm not a good cook. They're tending to fall more towards that fixed mindset. And that has some implications as far as how far they'll go in that one area. So people who fall into a fixed mindset, like failure equals death, like they don't want to fail because it's like a blow to their self-identity. They give up really easily in the face of setbacks. So believing that like a setback means that you're not talented enough, so let's just quit. Um, And they don't see effort as worth it because if I'm really good at something, I shouldn't have to try this hard. And so people in a fixed mindset might see success initially, but they tend to plateau and don't reach their full potential. And so where this growth mindset comes in of like constantly learning and constantly improving, if you think that basic qualities can be developed through effort and hard work, it creates this like love of learning. You see effort as like, if I try hard enough, I can get this. And it causes you to embrace challenges. So something that's a little bit tough that you're not really sure if you can do isn't something to be feared. It's something to embrace and let's do it and let's see how I do. And there's a couple different ways that people can kind of identify like where you're falling on this fixed growth spectrum. And once you do, how can you change your language and change your thoughts in order to cultivate more of that growth mindset? So if someone is like, you know, I'm not a good cook, I just, I don't have any cooking ability, I'm never gonna be good at this. One thing Carol Dweck says in her book is adding yet to the end of that sentence. So I'm not a good cook yet and so that opens the door for okay but how can I get better and so if you can adopt that kind of mindset of like I can get better at this but what is it going to take to get better now you're being more open to things that are actually going to develop your skills so like taking a cooking class trying a recipe one recipe every week talking to other people to see how they started out when they first started learning how to cook what did they do what can i learn from them and people in a growth mindset tend to see a little bit greater level of success and just more optimal performance overall so i think that's a really important concept for people to understand at kind of baseline and then having enough self-awareness to recognize if you are falling into that more fixed mindset, how can you get yourself out and try to shift yourself more towards this growth, this mindset of self-improvement, of love of learning, and mindset of resilience. Damn, that was a bomb. Mm. I'm gonna have to go back and re-listen to this one episode. <laughs> so, I know. so as you're as you're going over all of this, like I'm sure like plenty of people out there, and, and I I think I don't think anybody is just one or the other. I'm sure there are some things where we find ourselves kind of just like talking down to ourselves or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I saw, really realized as I was growing up, I was always in a fixed mindset. And of course you're a kid, like you kind of don't, you know, it's not really your fault. But like I was always pretty smart naturally. So I always got good grades no matter what I did. And I was always pretty athletic. So I never really had to try mm-hmm. growing up. 
And so, like, realizing when I hit college and I had to learn how to study for the first time, how rude of an awakening that was for me. And I was like, well, I'm already smart. Like, why do I have to do this? Like, why do I need to study? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, I, I really struggled with that. And same thing with, like, my athletic ability and, and you know, working out. Like, um, you know, just having to work for it was difficult to, to kind of get into um, and wrap my head around. But, um, and I'm sure, like, there are plenty of people out there that have been through the same thing or still go through the same thing. Um, but it, it was, it was a little bit, uh, it was a little work to, to kind of fix that and, and write that ship. But, um, I like, I like the language change a lot. Like, I think that's a really good way to go. So you said adding yet, what are some other things that like, that can help people after they've identified like, all right, well maybe I'm kind of in a fixed mindset. I don't want to be here anymore. Like what are a few more steps or maybe one more step they could take to maybe helping them get a little bit more on that path? Uh, I would say probably the most effective one would be asking for feedback. Um, So feedback, whether it's from like a teacher, a coach, your peers at the gym, plays such a huge role for us that I think sometimes we don't really realize. Um, But not only asking for feedback, but then what are you going to do with it? So people who tend to fall more towards fix, they just ignore feedback, whether it's good or bad. Um, whether it's constructive or not. Whereas people in a growth take that feedback, learn from it, and kind of pick out the pieces that they might need. Um, And so I think just taking that initial step of asking someone of like, hey, is there something else I can be doing? Am I doing this right? What did you think about how I did this? Opens up that conversation between you and the other person, and it also opens your mind a little bit to, oh, there are some more things I could be doing to get better. And a lot of what Carol Dweck talks about in her book is like how we praise people. So, for any parents out there, um, and especially coaches, praising the like effort and the hard work versus the talent so that there's a difference between telling someone hey you're a really great player versus hey I know you studied those plays really hard all last week and you took the time to execute um so it's kind of a it works both ways in like how parents and coaches can influence and start cultivating that growth mindset but also the individual if you notice that you're fixed changing the language but also asking for feedback and asking for criticism, which is not always the easiest thing to do, but in the long run, super beneficial. Yeah, I think as a coach, one of the most important things I know I've learned is how important it is to highlight people's, you know, victories or successes because naturally people are going to look at the negatives, especially if they're coming from a fixed mindset. So a good example, I was uh, chatting, messaging with a client and they were bummed because they missed their workout because some stuff got in the way. But then they had mentioned how, you know, they, they went home and had their dinner, which was a prepared meal. And so, I, you know, I wanted to make sure to highlight, look like, A, you prepared your meal. Two, you actually ate it. You didn't eat something else because you were stressed. Like, those are two huge victories. And, you know, just people, uh, like, like Will kind of said, like either making sure to highlight their own victories yourself or, like you said, Having, having a coach or a teacher or a parent or friend know what you're doing 
and how you're trying to change and to, to point, you know, hopefully that person will also point out those victories so that you can kind of snowball some success, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, but that was one thing when I was a, a young trainer, I would always, you know, you get frustrated with, with people when they, when they don't do things right away. And just like for me now, like that's why I love this psychology stuff. I, I would say it's almost, it's more important than the, the food and the sets and the reps because ultimately most people like that's what holds them back is, is like is this fixed mindset you know because ultimately they just can't change with it Lindsay how much uh, how much of the I guess the outcome the success uh, hinges on that mindset um, hinges on like not your natural talent your, your natural ability but just the pure effort was there any type of like you know 80% comes from it or anything in that book uh, not that I know of, but from what we know about like outcome versus process, being falling more towards that growth mindset causes you to be more process focused as opposed to outcome focused. And just what we know from the research is that focusing on the process, you're going to see more success than focusing on the outcome. Um, but I don't know if there's actually any statistics like that at least not ones it, that i'm aware of but it, it reminds me a little bit of the nature versus nurture thing and like is somebody destined to be an nfl player or were they worked appropriately had the right mindset and and enjoyed the process you know and, and how much of it was genetics and how much of it was a correct mindset mm-hmm. and without being able to really put those thoughts together i just that's yeah, I think question. that's like a sliding scale. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like some people are going to be like the most genetically superior human beings in terms of physicality, right. and they're like going to naturally fall into something like that. But there's dudes who work their ass off to get to the NFL that you know weren't genetically gifted. So I think it's just yeah. like a big scale of you know going either way. Um, but and like they say at the elite levels, it's always like they both meet right like amazing talent meets amazing hard work kind of like michael phelps for example like obviously he worked super hard but he also uh, i've read somewhere you know had like webbed feet and like really long limbs which is ideal for swimming and a short tour you know so it's like you could take someone else who worked just as hard or harder as michael phelps but didn't win seven you know world records in in 14 gold medals or whatever so that's that's kind of where you know that you know, you, you draw a line with it. I like seeing it play out in, in sport, almost like... Uh, like Rudy? The, yeah, exactly. Oh, Rudy. <laughs> it's always, it's always a kicker, too, like, yeah. where they're just, like, they walked on, they played, you know, they did they played soccer, they played <laughs> rugby, and then they just, there they are. And the NFL, because they switched, they decided to... And, and, and those people, you know, have the mindset you were just talking about, let's mm-hmm. say, like that that actual growth mindset because they weren't they weren't there they weren't born to kick a football they were i guess born to kick a soccer ball or whatever and so they made that switch they had to embrace a new process and embrace that type of growth yeah. um yeah but it's a, and also flip side a little bit of a, i wonder you know those you know the the high injury rates for some of the people uh, like uh you know you're a rookie quarterback you go to the nfl and everything seems to break down those are the people that I would imagine, this is a judgment call, but that I would imagine would fall into the fixed mindset because, you know, I mean, just hands down, their joints, ligaments aren't that strong. Maybe they didn't put in the work. Maybe they skipped the extra practice because they would rely on natural talent. Again, mm-hmm. I'm reaching a little, but maybe just adding a little bit of a picture to the, to yeah. the awesome explanation of that mindset. Could be. 
Yeah, I was going to say that exact same thing. That's where like too much talent can be a hindrance. Like you look at someone like Tom Brady, and obviously he's na- you know he was naturally tall, which helped, but he doesn't have amazing talent or arm strength. But so he probably had to work harder, you know. Whereas you can get you know an RG three who has it all and maybe yeah. maybe doesn't have to work Great on his example. doesn't have to work on the craft as much. And then you know then those knees. Yeah, exactly. Because of the NFL, like he, he can't get away his, with. He skipped stuff. those knee workouts, um, man. I, I just I just have to wonder, yeah, did, did he have a little bit more of a fixed mindset? Yeah, I mean, could be. Um, I'm going to direct this back to <laughs> that was I know that was a good tangent, but um, the the outcome versus process, like that's something we see all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like people who enjoy the process and they really get into it and aren't so focused on I have to lose 60 pounds and or like they keep losing weight and they're never satisfied. Um, that's like you're just focused on the outcome, which will never actually be there. There's no end of the rainbow. Um, but people are focused on the process. Like they enjoy it. They understand that it's like, hey, this is a journey. Um, and they usually get better results. People that are very, very much process driven because they have the basics. They have a good base to get them far. But somebody who's like, you know, just focused on the outcome they're a little more prone to get frustrated with themselves because, oh, I'm not there yet, you know? So, um, yeah, we definitely see that. And so I think having that that mindset shift from, like, a fixed to a growth can help, like, in in every regard, but especially in terms of, like, getting fit and losing weight. Um, But it's just hard to get there. It's, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable to get to that point if you're trying to switch your mindset with the way you do things. Oh, yeah. It's really hard to switch that mindset, especially if it's been your mindset for 20, 30, 40 years. You're not going to change it overnight. Yep. And I think a great strategy for that, let me know what you think of this, Lindsay, is so obviously, like you mentioned, it's it's great to have goals and we're talking about outcomes and the versus process. So I think a great way to kind of uh, meet in the middle is setting behavior goals so so you have your outcome goal you know i want to lose 20 pounds or whatever it is i want to run a triathlon but that's not really helping anything now it's good it's like you're guiding guiding light guiding star but then you want to set some behavior goals that can help you actually achieve that outcome and those are what you focus on right so if it's lose 20 pounds then you need to set a behavior goal of i'm going to cook my meals once a week you know for the week ahead i'm going to go to the gym three days a week i'm going to you know get to bed by nine so i can sleep eight hours and then those behavior goals really like get you to dive into the process Oh yeah, so so spot on. And honestly, Gary, your Facebook post from like two or three days ago, where you talked about like outcome versus behavior, and I knew I was going to be on the podcast. I was like, man, this guy is stealing all my goal setting thunder. Like, <laughs> but that's so unbelievably true. And I think that's a lot of time where like the goal setting process falls apart for people. Is I have this goal of I want to lose twenty pounds, but they don't follow it up with, and how am I going to do that? And that's the how is your behaviors. And those are much more sustainable over time. And by focusing on those, maybe if you didn't lose a pound this week, you're not going to freak out and the train isn't going to be derailed. Um, So absolutely, behavior goals are huge and very effective in terms of reaching your long-term goals. What now, especially working with soldiers and athletes like you do, is 
so obviously, you know, when we're working with people who want to just change fitness wise, this this is a huge roadblock we run into. Is is this a common thing you run into with like soldiers and athletes as well? Is that oh, fixation absolutely. on outcome? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I think I've seen it most with athletes, specifically teams. So if you think about teams, and some of this stems from the coach, but if you think about teams who are saying like our goal is to go undefeated this season that's a huge first of all really unlikely because how many teams really go undefeated um depending on the sport and does that mean like if you go into your first game of the season and you lose like now the whole season's for nothing and we should just you know forfeit the rest of our games so it's great to have an outcome goal of, of success of like winning a championship um I don't really like the undefeated goal, but if that's what they want their goal to be, that's fine. But it's more focusing on what's something I can do to get us there. So then for each player, breaking down, like, what do I need to do? What's my role on this team in order to help us get maybe a little bit closer to a championship? So does that mean I need to put in, you know, extra footwork drills three times a week? I need to make sure that my nutrition is like where it needs to be. I need to get into the gym to do like my injury rehab. Um, so just being able to break it down into the how. But I think a lot of times, especially in sports, people get really fixated on the outcome. Um, and that just puts unnecessary pressure and draws your focus away from where it needs to be and draws your focus away from what's going to benefit you most in the long run. So I've definitely seen that with sports teams. Nice. So what I'm taking away from, from you then, what I learned from the Lindsay Oro <laughs> uh, awesome coaching is, so say someone wants to change, they want to start getting fit for life, a great approach is A, set your outcome goal, then, and don't make it too outlandish, you know, like, oh, I'm mm -hmm. going to lose weight nonstop no matter what, 80 pounds in six, six weeks. Like, that's not good. But maybe, hey, I'm going to lose this weight, but then no specific timetable, that, that'd be a realistic outcome goal, right? Yeah. And then, then set your behavior goals to focus on the process. So the, the little things, like, like how you, when you did your triathlon, you planned. Once you decided that was your goal, then you, you really dove into your plan, right? Mm -hmm. Then uh, the other big kicker is noticing your thoughts and your mindset, right? So, so catching when you maybe fail, may, hey, maybe you start your plan and you gain two pounds, like, and you, you have that urge to quit, but then you realize, hey, like, th that's a fixed mindset. I need to be growth. And, yeah. and, and really throughout the process, you just want to be real in tune with your thoughts and, and, and that fixed versus growth mindset. And if you stay along that kind of that guiding guidepost you will be more likely to be successful yeah definitely and I think something people underestimate a lot is just how much power your thoughts have over you and that's really the foundation of sports psychology is your thoughts do influence your performance so if you notice that your thoughts aren't working for you your mindset isn't working for you how can you then start making steps to change it so that it is working for you. And I think that's something that gets really underestimated um, across the board, whether it's sports, whether it's the army, whether it's losing weight, um, but your thoughts do matter. Yeah, there's a lot of science coming out too. I was actually talking to a guy at the gym the other day with 
basically your thoughts in, in regards to like fat loss and muscle growth. So like literally if you're telling yourself like I cannot do this, um, it literally physically will affect, you know, that from actually happening based on like, you know, your, your neurons and atoms and all, and all that stuff in your body. Um, they're, they're just kind of diving into that, learning more and more. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, movement foundation says that you have to want to perform a movement before like your limbic system and your in your brain has to go mm -hmm. off and, and desire has to be I want to reach for that cup before any muscles will fire or any wow, type yep. of coordination will happen so um, that is I mean yeah if you if you're literally saying like well I'm supposed to reach for that cup but I don't think I can or whatever how are, how are your how's your brain gonna coordinate your muscles to actually do it mm. that's a that's cool, yeah. I don't know. So it's a real central nervous system driven type thing, right? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, literally emotional, like, yeah, movement is completely emotional. It's a behavior. It's a thing. So, like, any type of, yeah, weightlifting or just getting better at your sport, like, trying to swing a baseball bat at full speed, for instance, like, any, yeah, I, I mean, it really, just from, I guess, my experience, yeah, the, the limbic system will shut that down completely, yeah. meaning I don't want to be here. I can't do this. You know, I'm thinking about something else. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, it's as simple as you can you can test it for yourself with happiness, right? Like you can wake up in the morning and make your first thought be like, man, today's gonna be a great day, I'm super happy. And like, you're more likely will be happy that day versus you wake up, negative thought, oh, I'm miserable. And like, that's gonna, you probably will be. Yeah. And it, it sounds so like frou-frou and silly, but that it's, it's hard to grasp, but it's a real thing. So I think, now, I know for, for uh, speaking for myself, I get really excited, Lindsay, when you say A words because your, your New York comes out. I noticed that. Uh, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. You know I noticed that. Like, you, it's not super strong, regular, but now we've been talking. I literally have a list here of all the words where you sound uh, New Yorkish. I was making it as we went. Like, all of you. Can you say all of you again? All of you. There it is. Uh, can, can, you say, can you say adding? Adding? Oh, man. I didn't even notice that one. You know, I think my accent's fading now that I lived in Virginia. It's good to know that is clearly not the case, and it is not fading. You don't have this default you're Virginia walk, accent you're yet, on that line, which right. I think sounds like nothing, but I probably sound like real country sometimes. I don't know. I mean, few it's words. real country because when yeah. I moved out to California, like strangers, I'll say four words to them, and they're like, "Are you? Where are you from in the South?" And I'm like, <laughs> "I don't sound Southern." Like, yeah, like, so. I feel like I sound like I have no accent really, <laughs> but you know, I guess that's how everybody feels. Yeah. Ben's, Ben's Michigan slips out mm. still every once in a while. <laughs> Doesn't everybody talk through their nose? Like, let's <laughs> 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 hey, Ben. Ben, say y'all. Y'all. Okay. It used to be more nasally, right? Like, y'all, y'all, Oh, well, yeah, I mean, you, you, you break it apart, like, I'm going to be able to like, enunciate it. But once I get going, then y'all starts coming out real. <laughs> how do you, how mean, do you. Right from the top. Lindsay, uh, Lindsay and Ben, how do y'all feel about the word y'all? Is that something you, you, or you say? No. In Michigan and New York? Never. I say you guys. Yeah. If I need to address a group, like, especially soldiers at work, I'll say you guys because... I realized that if I tried to seriously say the word y'all, because I don't say all, so it would come out y'all and it would sound yo, stupid. Yo. <laughs> so yo. yeah, no, I stick with you guys. You guys is like the proper. Yeah. And like, I think y'all is like a, a casual group. You know what's funny? 
I live in the South, and, like, I don't think I ever say y'all. Like, I feel really, I, I feel odd saying it. Like, it, that's, I, I don't know why. Like, I used to say it when I was younger, but now, like, y'all doesn't sound right to me. It flows. I jumped right in. Mm. Yeah, no. Now I say I that. Like, I'm allowed like, to say this? I might get going oh, in a crowd, and I'm just throwing y'alls out <laughs> left and right and not even know <laughs> yeah. it. Like, well, that it's a be it. It's a great word when you think about it, especially nowadays, oh, being real politically so correct. Like, I would feel bad saying you guys to a group of girls and guys, I'm, right? Yeah, Whereas you can say y'all, and, and you're safe. I mean, yeah, y'all, y'all wraps everybody into it. So, yeah, that mm. is a safe word. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, need the, we need the motion to infiltrate y'all into the northern uh, hemisphere of yeah. the country. I mean, you, you can, can try. They're real stubborn up there. <laughs> yeah. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna yell at you. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're going to get yelled at, that's for like, sure. I like would probably cry. Yeah. <laughs> I, like if I went to Chicago and just went around the street yeah. and just, hey, y'all, and they like said, shut the hell just, up. Just I would correct just, them. They're yeah. just they're saying, hey, you guys do this and that. Uh, it's y'all. I, mm. I would resort to a fixed mindset real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Survival. <laughs> In my motion for y'all. Oh, man. Mm-mm-mm. Well, let's. Uh, well, I, I could go for another like forty-five minutes, hour and a half on the yeah. psychology stuff. Yeah, we could. But, you know, uh, what, like, how about just another episode? Yeah, there we go. I think, I think that would be dope. Yeah, as we we're going, back. I was like, damn, we're not gonna be able to fit everything <laughs> that we could probably talk about mm-hmm. into one episode. Because I know, like, at the gym, we usually geek out a little bit. I think all of us. Oh yeah. We get to talk to you sometimes, so it's kind of fun. Um, yeah. So we'll have a host of other stuff to talk about when we have you on again. Absolutely. Um, for sure. I think it would be even more fun at the new gym. You know, if we can meet and do some podcast there, and then some some of it's face to face for Ooh. you guys. That would, that would be a lot what? of fun. I think this actually might be the last podcast on my kitchen table. Mm. Moving on up. For anybody listening, actually, by the time this podcast comes out. Mm. It'll be, uh, yeah, we'll be about to, move, well, mostly moved into the new gym. Mm-hmm. You better knock on wood. Ooh. <laughs> there we I'm go. I'm knocking, baby. <laughs> Jinx it all. Mm-hmm. Nah, it's going smooth for anybody listening. Anybody, they'll probably ask me in person, but for anybody who doesn't live here, the gym is coming together nicely. Mm. So. Are you excited, Lindsay? I'm so excited. I keep forgetting that it's happening. We it's have, like bittersweet uh, too, so. We have 11 days before. Oh my God. Our so-called opening day. Mm. Um, the best the best part is gonna be the turf. Like we'll have a full stretch, like ooh. I think about 30 yards and a li- yeah. little bit wider. So we'll be able to do more uh, things in line with that. And not crash into yeah. um, a merchandise um, shelf. So. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be dope. All right, guys. Well, Lindsay, thank you for, for your time for doing this. I know um, we, we got a lot out of it, so I'm sure the listeners oh, yeah. did as well. I think, yeah, that was super comprehensive. Um, let's get Ben's. What do you got for us, Ben? Mm, what, do you, what are you feeling today? I'm going back and forth. Has your, has your emotion <laughs> changed since, like, the podcast? Oh, yeah, actually it has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was yep. thinking more like, check out what the kids listen to this, these days because it pumps me up. But then I'm just like, oh, that's a song about vegetables. That's kind of fun. <laughs> um, what is it, like, from think, the Barney? Is it from the Barney soundtrack or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but uh, I think, I think we'll, we'll listen to what the kids are listening to because you, when you, you got, are lifting, man? you need the right mindset. What do you got? You need the right song, too. Um, this is called I Bet You by uh, Yellow Claw. Uh, again, probably irrelevant as far as like 
their name. These people put together this mix, and it's really good. You know what I mean? So just, but again, I bet you is the name of it. Um, let me uh, let me jump. It takes a little bit of time to get into it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's going. Is this like trap music? What what is this? Yes, yeah, there's is? a little bit of trap going on here, but it's uh, it, as in like it's trap because it's slow. It's kind of like draggy, but at the same time, there's so much going on. If you were in a trap, uh, they would make you shut this off. That's I mean that sounds real um, mm. real industrial. Mm. Yeah, you could uh, you could like set mass down too. We yeah you could. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, who was it? Who was that? <laughs> that was uh, Yellow Claw. Yellow Claw. Yellow Claw. I bet you. And that's like I B E T C H U. Bet you. One, one, one word. One word. I bet you. I bet you. What, what's <laughs> your workout workout jams of choice, Lindsay? Um, I have to say. If you had to pick. My like yeah. number one pump up song that no matter where I hear it, when I hear it, I'm just like I want to go play in a soccer game right now is Till I Collapse by Eminem. That was like yeah. my jam in college. Um, other than that, anything with just like a good beat. I really like Tuesday playlists when we get like a little Flo Rida in there. Every Flo, I think Flo Rida makes his music for group training. I think he's doing a great job and he should keep doing it because I thoroughly enjoy it. <laughs> yep, nah man, those are good workout jams. Eminem has a new CD coming out. Oh, I can't wait, I hope it's good. New album, I think it comes out the the 15th mm. next week mm. so that should be good yes sir yep 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 i've been jamming out to a bunch of eminem because he's been all over the place i guess that's how you know his album's coming out so yeah. they had like a special playlist on spotify all that good stuff so it, t it takes me back to high school and probably takes Lindsay back to to elementary school <laughs> where you yeah i'm jamming. pretty sure pretty sure yeah. eminem was like a fan fave <laughs> in like sixth grade so <laughs> There we go. At the skating rink. Yep. Yeah. I wouldn't have been allowed to listen to it. I had to like sneak on the sly by like the Outcast CD when I was in sixth grade. <laughs> juvenile. That, my, oh, my, my CD man. was juvenile that I snuck bought in middle school. Some usher. <laughs> well, all right. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll take it out with that. We'll let, we'll let everyone stew on what their uh, their high school and, and elementary school jams were, and then uh, we'll get back to you next week. All right, guys. Signing off. Later. Thanks, guys.